Hi there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Alana here with Jamie for another midweek episode. How's it going, Jamie? It's going. How are you? I'm good. I'm tired. Our dogs were up barking last night. They kept oh, us up no. for hours. Oh no. What was it? Do you, did something you ever got figure it, it out? Yeah. Something got in the trash. It was probably just something boring like the neighbor dog, you know? Yeah. And so Do anyway, get critters, like I know. So I'm trying to think of what we have here. That's the equivalent. That's a nocturnal equivalent of like raccoons on the East coast, which oh, is what would always well, get mean, into our trash or possums. Bear. But, Oh, bears. Yeah. <laughs> bigger, but yeah, yeah they definitely yeah. could get in. Yeah. Uh, every so often we lift up the the lid and a squirrel comes running out, but that I wouldn't even call it a crater. That's just a pest. Yeah. Well, anyway, welcome to here. our mini-sode. So we just wrapped up a mini-series about personality types in your prayer life. And we're going to start a new kind of midweek mini-series talking about the prayers of the New Testament and just what we can glean from them for our own prayer life. So to start us off, I think it is only right we are going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, I think the Lord's Prayer is one of those that as a child, I, I grew up in the Methodist tradition where I memorized it and we said mm-hmm. it at every service. My kids, I it actually occurred to me recently, I know they're very familiar with it, but mm. I don't know if they have it memorized or not because I don't know. I mean, maybe at some point yeah. we memorized it for something, but if you're not part of a more liturgical denomination, then, you know, I mean, in the last however, 30 years, I haven't mm-hmm. said it in a church right. service very often. So um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. So that being said, it's something that I had memorized for a long time, but it wasn't until fairly recent history that I really picked it apart. And I feel like you can, when you hear something so much, you can almost miss the meaning behind it because oh, it's sure. just the, it's the word structure. It's not the meaning that mm-hmm. you're really getting and gleaning. So I, I always like examining the Lord's prayer and just seeing, you know, the different aspects of it. And yeah, I remember being part of a church where every Sunday as part of the worship service, it included kind of call and response scripture reading. It wasn't what I would consider a, a very liturgical church, you know, it was kind of non-denominational blend of hymns and contemporary songs. But I really loved that aspect because it was the first time that I regularly was in the habit of reading scripture out loud and reading it out loud in a group setting. I think there is something pretty powerful to it. And I love that the Lord's prayer is all in the first person plural, right? It's all about we uh, give us this day our daily bread and that kind of thing. I think there is a corporate sense to this prayer for sure. You know, that's, I have never, I've never thought about that. That is really just really profound. I had never focused on the fact that it is a corporate prayer. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's so blaringly obvious. And I guess maybe in my mind, I'm like, well, they're, you know, as a group, they're asking how to pray. So he's leading them in prayer, but Mm -hmm. so much of just my Bible study over the last few years has just revealed how important corporate prayer, corporate worship is in the Bible. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I think the church took a swing when, like, I remember when I was growing up. So like, early 90s, late 80s, it was all about, you know, like, it was when 
born again was the big catchphrase. And it was about, you know, inviting Jesus in your heart, but it was, it was very individual. And right? the thing, yeah, like the big catch thing, it wasn't a phrase, but like the idea was if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus still would have died. Like I remember Which I heard so that true. <laughs> hundreds of times and absolutely it's true. He died not just for humanity with a capital H, but for mm-hmm. Jamie, for, for Alana. Jamie like, Alana. Yeah, it mm-hmm. definitely hits home. And I think probably the church needed to go there because there was such a, well, I'm a Christian because I go to church. Yeah, I'm a Christian because I was born in this country, right? But I think it went a little extreme in that it kind of stripped the corporateness of worshiping God out of its place, Mm -hmm. right? To the point where like some people even get a little bit not quite superstitious, but weirded out by very liturgical settings, right? Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I went to a church where, and I wouldn't even consider this, you know, a liturgical church, but the associate pastor was doing like announcements and prayer and he had written out the prayer and it was long and it was thorough and it was very specific. But I remember I was in my young twenties at the time. I remember getting a weird feeling like he was cheating or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is supposed to be like between you and God. I think, I think that in certain cases, depending on how you grew up and what kind of churches you attended, we, we can take one degree closer toward uh, appreciating corporate worship and appreciating just some even tradition, right? Like some people don't even love the word because it feels so empty and hollow. I think there's a place where we can love the tradition and love the liturgy and love the structure and still be really connecting with God. Absolutely. And I, I see now in the two thousands that, um, well, wait, no, we're way past (laughs) right. The 2020s, the 2020s, I have really seen just in reading books from people that are not from more liturgical backgrounds that Mm -hmm. a lot of non-denominational evangelical Christians are kind of seeking that in a way. And I know in our Mm -hmm. own church in Mm uh here in in Arizona here in Arizona. No, Uh here in Alaska, Uh our church in Alaska, um, we had this series that our children's minister took us through um about with the Westminster Catechism, you know, like Mm -hmm. what is the chief end of man to Mm -hmm. enjoy God, whatever to um glorify God and enjoy him forever. And enjoy and, him. Yeah. You know, like those kinds of things, which I think we kind of threw out as like modern mm-hmm. evangelical Christians as, oh, that's not personal enough. It's a personal yeah. relationship. You don't need mm-hmm. this liturgy. You don't mm-hmm. need this um, like conduit between you and God. But right. I think we're swinging back to appreciating mm-hmm. some of that maybe as yeah. Yeah. a collective people. I don't know. And I, yeah. I'm not saying I have the pulse on that. My hand on the pulse of Christianity mm-hmm. today, it's just kind of an observation. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty astute. So let's dive into the Lord's prayer. And again, as we go through this mini series, we'll be looking at some of the prayers that we read in the new Testament with the goal of saying, uh, what can this, how can this personally, <laughs> after all that we talked about, how can this personally <laughs> impact my prayer life? So what do you want to do? Do you want to read the whole thing and then we'll chat about it? Yeah, let's do okay. that. You want to read it for us? Sure. And what version is this one? Is this like the 
This is actually, um, when I Google, this is just called the traditional version. And I think okay. it's a tiny bit of a hodgepodge because it's in Matthew and it's in Luke, if I remember right. Um, Matthew, one of them doesn't include the last bit. So this is kind of what is known as the traditional version. Well, and this is the word for word, how I memorized it as a kid. Exactly. So yeah. I know there are other versions. Okay. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I was just picturing, you know, we were talking about how cool it is to to recite this corporately. And I was picturing like, yeah, everybody who's listening to this is going to be listening to it at slightly different times. But in the end, it's kind of the same result, which is kind of cool. So if you were not in the right frame of mind, and want to, I don't know, rewind a minute and actually recite it with us, feel free to join us in that. So um, yeah, I guess let's just start with what are the things that jump out to you? You know, I know one of the things that I really like is the fact that this is about us, right? Give us this day, our daily bread. I remember going to a church, tell me your opinion on this. I was a little bit upset because they did recite it out loud as a congregation, but they changed it slightly and they changed it to say, give us this day, our coming day's bread. And at first I was really, really, really angry. Not quite so much that they were messing with tradition, but it really got pounded into my head growing up. God is promising you your what you need for today, which is kind of a reason to not worry about tomorrow, right? And so I felt like they were totally flipping it. But then I went to my Bible to kind of like be hoity-toity and to prove them, you know, right or wrong. And they were talking about how like at the end of the day, workers were paid like daily, you were given your denarius. So you get your denarius at the end of the day and you do use it to buy the food for your next day. <laughs> so mm. I was kind of kicked off my high horse just a tiny bit, but uh, yeah, I'd love to know your opinion. Yeah. And I, you know, my first, my first thought is, well, I want to go see what the original, what would yeah. it be? Would it be Greek? Would it Greek, be? Yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, I was like, I, I would want to see what that is because there are nuances in the, mm -hmm. in the tense, in the yeah implication and, and the form. But yeah, I, I definitely, I think of the manna, you know, that's what I think of when yeah. you said that I was thinking, well, the manna, it was very much don't store up for the, mm -hmm. well, unless it's the morning and it's the coming day, like I'm praying this first thing in the morning and give me bread today. Maybe that right. you know, in the coming day here today, uh -huh. but <laughs> right. I guess you could read it like that. But, you know, I think of the manna and the fact that, that, like you said, I mean, that manna was for today and you mm -hmm. cannot store it or it will get spoiled and yeah. you will, you know, you will not have anything in the end because mm -hmm. it wasn't meant for tomorrow. It was meant for today. Yeah. And then I'll show up again tomorrow. So I get what you mean. I think yeah. And I think it would be wrong for a pastor to say, and therefore you should never have a savings account or therefore you should never, you know, I don't know, store up toilet paper <laughs> or whatever. Right. But I think the difference is, you know, what are you putting your trust in? Right. Like, I think there's a way to store up for your future and to still be doing so with humility to know that, yeah, snap of the fingers. Like we had some big banking fiasco, right. About, yeah 
you know, and I don't know how individuals have been impacted by that, but um, it's, it's always possible that we could wake up. And even though everything's digital, right, there's no record of the money that we thought we had being there and nothing we could do, or, you know, a huge expense that, that drains all that, but also recognizing that, I don't know, you know, uh, Proverbs talks a lot about just being prudent and being wise. So if you do have the means to save up, I think that's fine. I think it's just a matter of what are you putting your trust in? To back up just a tiny bit, the, I would say the part mm-hmm. that that stood out to me was um, just a, a quote that I pray a lot in some mm-hmm. way or shape is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like I look at that as the core of prayer. Like prayer mm-hmm. is this you know, standing in the gap. And I mean, I don't want to go too deeply into it, but just this idea of um, in second Samuel, I think it was, it talks about like God of the breaches. It was God of breakthrough mm. at Bel Perazim where, you know, basically God broke through and allowed for a victory for his people. And the literal translation of that is God of the breach, God of the mm. um, riverbed. And so that's the same word that's used to talk about standing in the gap. Like we talk about that a lot. And so like it talks about that, like rushing waters, God will break through and basically smash any barrier that's in Mm -hmm. front of us. And by standing in the gap or standing in the breach, I picture this empty, dry riverbed and that we are standing in the gap. And what we're doing in prayer is we are opening the floodgates, basically like Mm. asking God to break forth with this mighty river that just comes crashing through kind of like the Israelites when Pharaoh's army was swept away, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is like, there's this dry parched place in the world or in our lives or in someone Mm -hmm. else's life that needs the kingdom of heaven in it. Mm. And that God's will needs to be done there just as it already is in heaven. Like that's what he has already done. And I don't know. I just, I love this imagery of what is, you know, God's will is done perfectly in heaven. And what we get to do, what we get to be part of is be part of ushering in that power and that kingdom here on earth too, where it wouldn't otherwise be. Yeah. And I think that really addresses one of my frustrations that I see. And that's when people get just so fatalistic. And even if they don't put it into these words, I think the undertone is there for a lot of Christians. It's why should I pray for things to get better on a global scale when the book of Revelation clearly tells us that things are going to get worse? And so it's almost like, okay, Jesus, bring on the apocalypse. (laughs) Right. And Sadly, I think a lot of that is because the people who are praying those kinds of things aren't the ones at the front lines of it. So this is the kind of thing that we might say when we hear about people in a whole other nation on the other side of the world, you know, being in war zones or things like that. It's like, well, I could pray for things to get better there, but I know that God says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars at the end times. So how about I just don't? And again, I think 
first of all, it's it's very selfish because if that war zone was in your backyard, you would absolutely want Christians around the globe praying for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the the flip side of it, every atheist in a foxhole is a is a Christian, right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, okay, when something that feels like a tribulation, whether that's big or little T hits your home or your country, you want everybody praying for you and you want it to get better. Mm-hmm. You're not saying bring it on Jesus. But I think there's also this sense of it's almost easier to look at all these terrible things because it is very easy to feel helpless, right? I don't even know how to start praying for the situation in Ukraine. I don't know. And so the next step, the cop-out step is, I don't know what to do about this, but God said things are going to get worse. So I guess this is just all part of his plan. And I think that flies in such direct contradiction to what Jesus teaches us to pray, which is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think that some people could kind of push up their theology glasses and say, well, maybe he's talking about the new earth and the new heaven, but that's not the language that I see. So, And that's not when, when he was telling them how to pray, they were on the old earth. They were on earth, earth, earth. And so I think it's just very refreshing. And to, to remember, like we do have the power to bring heaven or at least pieces of heaven or glimpses of heaven or shadows of heaven here to earth. And I don't think that many of us are making, taking advantage of that calling and that command. Yeah. And, you know, just because we pray and just because God shows up in a situation doesn't mean that, uh, you know, I think sometimes we have to change our idea of what good is and what God's will is and what God's kingdom looks like, because some of the Mm -hmm. chaos that we don't like could still be going on. But like, I just think of, you know, how I think it was Paul that said, you know, while outwardly we're wasting away inwardly, we're being renewed daily. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so there could be works inside of people, even despite external circumstances. External. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah coin a new phrase. Um, But even aside from what's happening on the outside, there can be just at the very least, which isn't least at all. I mean, it's everything really. Mm -hmm. There can be an inward strengthening of their spirit. There can be a just joy in the midst of horrible things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that can come without any change of circumstances. Not that God can't or won't sometimes change circumstances drastically for the better, even in Mm -hmm. our, you know, a lot of times what, what we call good is also what he calls good, but there are, there are just, um, I think when we pray this, like thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's so freeing because I know God is good. Like I just know Mm -hmm. it. And so when I pray that, when I pray, Yes, I, I do have specific things that I want to see happen for sure. And I'm not afraid to pray those things. But I do know that when I when I kind of tie it up with thy kingdom come, thy will be done, I know that good things are going to happen. I know that they're going to be, uh, whether it looks like what I would like for it to look like or what they would like <laughs> for it to look like or not, I know that good things are going to be happening. And that's just, that's a, just a powerful prayer right there. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of echoed again at the end for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I think sometimes it really is a beautiful practice to just ascribe to God, the attributes that we already know are his, right? So Mm -hmm. it's 
telling God, you, you're in control. You are sovereign over all of this. And it is worship to him. And it's also a good reminder to you. You know, I think that there's a twofold there so that you can remind yourself, no, God's, God's got this. Uh, he'll, he'll deliver us from evil and his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Mm-hmm. Anything else jumping out to you? Well, I guess the the forgiveness thing is kind of a conundrum because forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And there are, you know, there's a, a very specific verse in scripture that talks about if you mm-hmm. do not forgive, mm-hmm. then your father won't forgive. And I mean, that's, I, I'm loosely quoting that and it's something that definitely yeah, pretty close. <laughs> uh, is kind of like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Um and Jesus kind of addresses it in a little bit less of a in your face way by saying, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive mm-hmm. those who trespass against us. But it's not easy. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, just that whole part, I mean, he's foreshadowing what he's going to allow to happen through his death. I mean, I just wonder how much of a gospel of forgiveness was preached to these people that were listening as Jewish Mm -hmm. background, most of them, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that's no small thing. And so I don't know that just definitely, I always kind of gloss over that part, but that's Mm -hmm. maybe the hardest part of the whole prayer. It is. It's a hard pill to swallow. And I think that it's important to remember that the fact that you were hurt by somebody and aren't over that doesn't always mean that you haven't forgiven them, right? The hurt you feel has very little to do with, have you forgiven them? Same thing with, is your relationship restored or not? Right? So I could see a scenario where let's say that I find out that somebody is, um, you know, abusing my child and I remove my child from that situation. I make sure that that person is never going to come into contact with my kid again. And neither am I, I can still in my heart, forgive them and have zero relationship. Right. So I think that that's, those are, those are the two things I carried around false guilt for years. Cause I didn't understand those two things. I thought that if I had perfectly forgiven somebody, our relationship would look perfect and I would no longer feel hurt or even angry. I would put anger under there too at what they did. And I think the difference is when you have forgiven somebody that that is more between you and God. Right. And that's why I love that this comes up in, in the Lord's prayer. Cause this is another thing. I, I used to think that if I was holding on to bitterness to somebody that God needed me to go and tell that person. And that can come like, sometimes that can be very healing, but sometimes that can be almost like a passive aggressive. Like, so Jamie, I didn't want to bring this up. The last time I was at your house, the coffee that was there was so, so par. And I just want you to know that I forgive you. Our conflicts right? like, are always about coffee. Always in our examples. That's because it's so safe. <laughs> it's so safe. <laughs> Whereas really, I think a better step would be, God, I'm releasing all of this pent up stuff that I feel toward Jamie, right? So I think that sometimes it it can remain between you and God. And then if if I have to come, the the better way to extend the reconciliation would be, Jamie, I am so sorry. I was really out of line when I rolled my eyes at you when you gave me that coffee. 
And I still think about it a lot. And I just really want to ask you to forgive me. Right. So it's so different than saying, oh, Jamie, here's all the things you did, but it's okay. I'm a great person. So I forgive you. Right. <laughs> pat, pat, pat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I love that this is in this context, this is between us and God. And I think that's where it needs to start. Yeah. And I think the more we understand the extent of the forgiveness that God has extended to us and continues to extend to us, the easier it should become to extend that to other people out of just, wow. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I can't throw the first stone. I have been forgiven so much. You know, I think it, it cultivates gratitude as we confess and repent of our own sins. And I think part mm-hmm. of that, I mean, this to me is a reminder for confession and repentance. Um, it doesn't yes. mention that it, well, it does forgive us our trespasses, That's us our, confession yeah. or repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I think that just brings to light how important it is to incorporate the practice of repentance and confession into your prayer life to help you stay grounded, help you to remember where you've come from and, and Mm -hmm. how much you've been blessed. Yeah. No. Awesome. I'm so glad we got to revisit this. I want to read it one more time and invite our readers. If you weren't kind of in a prayerful spot with us the first time Mm -hmm. um, to just, yeah, go ahead and, and recite this with us out loud or in your heart. And then we'll close up. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.